Well, hey there, everybody. I just got back from shopping for Pastor Kevin. He and I had so much fun with the Pastor Secret Santa Gift Exchange on Christmas Eve that we decided this year we should give each other some more gifts for the Sundays during the season of Christmas. You know, the 12 days of Christmas? Well, I'm getting him a gift here for January 1st, and he's getting me one for January 8th, and then we decided we should preach about those gifts. It'll be fun. So I've had plenty of places to go shopping here in Minnesota, even went to the Mall of America, rode some roller coasters, got inspired, and I found the perfect gift for Pastor Kevin. So I've got it shipped to him just in time for January 1st uh, at church. He's got the box. He's got a little note from me. And uh, I think he's going to love this gift. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I'll see you all next week. Sure enough, the gift is here. It's not in a box, though. I don't know why he said it was in a box. It's clearly in a bag, but... Well, I'm going to see what it is here. I'm going to open it up. And, uh, oh. Ooh, all right. Aaron got me a new suit. That's good. I have a couple suits, uh, but I actually wore all of the suits that I own this last weekend, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. So I could use, I could use another suit. I'm going to try it on here. I'll, uh, I'll not try on those today. <laughs> Let's take a look here. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess Aaron didn't have my measurements, eh? I think it's still nicer than the, the shaver he got me, uh, even though I really loved that shaver. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know what Aaron was thinking. Why would he give me this oversized? I mean, was he just lazy? Is that why it's oversized? Or did he think I was actually going to grow into it? You know, I thought I topped out at 5'11". All right, 5'10". Um, Maybe he thought I was going to grow into this suit. Well, I guess, you know, if nothing else, I got an extra oversized suit. And it, if my other two suits get caught in a, in a burning blaze and I got to speak at another banquet, I guess I can use this as a sort of a last resort. It's kind of odd, though, isn't it? Oh, wait, I forgot. No, he said there was a note with a gift. All right. Merry Christmas, Kevin. <laughs> Here's the suit. Enjoy it. Thanks. It's, it's for your funeral. Read Romans 6.3. All right. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. It would be weird to get a suit <laughs> that doesn't fit you as a gift. That would be odd. It would be especially odd to get a gift, a suit for your funeral day, your death day, when you're in the prime of your life, 32 years young. Uh, you know, that would be odd. But what is equally odd, I think, are the texts that we heard today. The texts that we heard today here in this place at St. Peter and Paul, Lutheran Church, a place where we talk about being alive in Christ. 
right? In this place, we, we love life, right? We celebrate life. We rejoice about the life that God has given us. And yet today we were met with those cryptic words of Jesus. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it. It's no less strange to hear Paul as he meditates on this gift of baptism, a place where we bring new life, right? Babies, infants, those who are so young and pure and fresh to receive these waters, waters that clean and cleanse, waters that give life. And to hear Paul say, do you not know that that those who have been baptized have been baptized into Christ's death. So which is it? Is Christianity, is this life in Christ life? Or is it death? Are we supposed to love our lives or are we supposed to hate them? As Jesus once said. Is this whole thing a gift or is it a curse? Well, I want to explore some of these paradoxes in our text today by way of a symbol, by way of a, a suit that doesn't fit. Because I think the Christian life and our Christian walk together is, well, I think it's an unexpected gift, right? We've been talking about that since last week, that this Christian life is a gift, but it's not one that we expect. Jesus came in an unexpected way, and he brings to us good things, but that come in unexpected packaging. And I think the Christian walk is like this suit in three ways. One, it doesn't fit. Two, it is for your funeral and for mine. It'll be our funeral. Three, it is a gift. It is a gift. So first, the Christian life. It doesn't really fit. Now, that's probably something that the world would raise against Christianity in general, right? Uh, those who are not non-Christians or outside of the church, they likely look at Christianity as something that really just doesn't fit. You know, it's something that's, that's too archaic, something that's uh, too steeped in old traditions, uh, something that's honestly too constraining. Right? It doesn't fit because it's so loose. It fits because it's too tight. You mean to be a Christian, you have to follow a God that people have been following since, you know, the B.C. days? You're really going to listen to a God that all those old ancient people followed and, and, and try and live life the way they lived? I mean, isn't that all a bit old-fashioned? Certainly, the Christian life is out of step with the world at large. It doesn't fit. But I think there's an even more personal way that the Christian life doesn't fit. The Christian life doesn't fit you and me because it was not built to fit us as we are. When Jesus came to this world, he came to offer us a new way, right? I am the way. 
And this was a way to a new humanity, a new way of being, a way that would be uh, incongruent with the way we had always lived. The Christian life doesn't fit you someplace in your life. Someplace in your life, there's an incongruency between what Jesus has come to bring and what he's offered you and me, and some way we're still living. This is what Paul was getting at in Romans 6, verse 6. Paul says this. He says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Now, when Paul talks about the old self or the old Adam, what he's doing is he's personifying a part of our condition. Uh, It's the human nature, right? It's that inborn, rebellious spirit against all that is God, all that God wants for his world, against human flourishing. It's that rebellious spirit that exists even in those sweet, pure, uh, innocent, we often call them uh, children. And that notion alone is not going to land with the world. That Christianity doesn't fit the world is obvious as soon as you talk about this concept of original sin. The world will will come back at you with a whole host of reasons for why we are how we are and why it's really just fine. They'll say, oh, sure, there's this or that thing that's kind of off about me, but come on, I'm only human. You can't expect me to really change that. Or they might come back and say, well, look, nobody's perfect, so quit talking about perfection or leaving these sins behind. Or, or maybe they'll talk about how uh, what we are is really not a problem. It's actually something we ought to live into. Really be who we are. There's nothing that's actually wrong about us. Anything that's wrong about us that, that the church is trying to say is just their way of trying to claim authority in the world and have power over people to manipulate them, the world will say that. But if you're a Christian, you know that this is the first simple truth that the Bible speaks to us, is that we don't fit the clothes of Christianity, that there's something off about us, there's something incongruous in us with the Christian life. And when we don these Christian clothes, what God is calling us to do, in part, is to give that up, to give it up to Him. So my question to you is, where does the Christian life not fit you? Because you can be certain that there is probably more than one. It's, at least in my experience, I keep finding out more and more ways the Christian life doesn't fit me, more and more ways that there's something in me that is not congruent with who Jesus wants me to be. Paul says that these things need to be put to death. The old self was crucified with him. And he goes on in verse 11 to say, So you must consider yourselves, therefore, dead to sin and alive to God. So what is that thing for you? I don't want you to avoid it. I want you to think about it. And I want you to see it as something God is calling you to change in your life. Not just to forgive and excuse and pretend it doesn't exist. Not just to think that it's stuck with you for the rest of your life and it's always going to be there. 
No, God is inviting you to let him in to that particular place. Now, if you can't come up with anything, I'll give you a couple examples of what this might look like in your life. What's something that could be incongruous with this Christian life? Are you, are you overly anxious, worried, stressed out? Do you feel like there are things going on in your life that, that just aren't conforming to the plan that you had for yourself? And, and so things are kind of all going awry and it really works you up and it makes you, you, you fizzle out and stress out and frenetic. Jesus says in Matthew 6, don't be anxious about anything. Anxiety and worry are not congruent with the Christian life. Now, understand me on that. Jesus is not saying you're never going to experience that. You're never going to experience worry. And there's a big difference between worry and concern. We should be concerned about things in this world. There's a lot that's broken. There's a lot that's messed up. There's a lot that's not going right. But here's the difference between worry and concern. If you're worried about something in your life, and if it's making you overwhelmed, absolutely uh, losing yourself over what's going on, it's likely you're not taking that thing to God. It's likely you're not letting him into that place in your life where you are concerned. Because Jesus goes on in Matthew 6 to talk about his presence with us. It's not that he's just saying, don't worry. He's saying, don't worry because I'm with you. What does Paul say? You must consider yourselves dead to sin. Consider, you have to consider the truths of your faith and apply them to your life. You have to live into your Christian clothes. It's different than just being a member somewhere, right? Being a Christian. It doesn't just mean you, you check a box and then you're in for life. It's a way. It's a walk. It's what Marcus was saying, right? It's interactive, you have to apply these truths to yourself. So maybe if worry is your thing, you haven't been going to God in prayer. You haven't let him into whatever it is you're worrying. Because if you're worrying about something, what you're saying, in effect, is, I know how my life should go. These things aren't going according to the plan that I have for my life. And so, God, you must not be omnipotent, all-powerful, or you must not be good because you're not doing the good things that I want. But who is God? In that scenario, that's that inborn nature. That's that old self. It always wants to take the place of God. But maybe worry isn't your thing. Maybe it's anger. Maybe you find that you have a short temper. Maybe it comes out of you in your spousal relationship. When your spouse doesn't do what you would like them to do when they, they continue to, to live into some habit that just gets on your nerves to no end. And so they do it again. And instead of meeting them in grace and forgiveness, you explode at them. Or your children, your children don't uh, follow what you would have them to do. And it irks you because you'd like them to live a certain way, to be a certain way, right? And so when they go out of the bounds of that, you, you ream into them. And you explode in a loud voice and in anger, not intentionally, not as a teaching tool. It just wells up and comes out of you. 
Paul says in Ephesians that we need to let all bitterness and wrath and anger be put away from us. It's not congruent with our Christian walk. We must crucify the old self. So the Christian life doesn't fit you. If you feel like it does right now, you need to look a little harder in the Scriptures. Read God's Word. Take Jesus seriously. I promise you, there is something that doesn't fit you. But God wants to grow you into his suit. But it's going to hurt. And that's the second point. This suit and this Christian life is your funeral. It's no wonder that Paul talks about baptism as joining Jesus in his death. Or this idea of our old self needing to be killed as our way into this new life. Paul is really just echoing what Jesus himself was saying in John chapter 12. When we heard those words from Jesus, this is the week of his death. Uh, This is on uh, Palm Sunday. So he's rode into Jerusalem. He knows where he's going. Immediately before this, Jesus makes an allusion to his death. He says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, the hour in John's gospel is always the hour of Jesus' crucifixion. He refers to it several times throughout the gospel. It's always his crucifixion. And then Jesus at the end says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Right here in John's gospel, we're getting that same invitation we've heard in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Now, I think there's been a lot of talk about what that means to take up one's cross. Or maybe that's a confusing concept. The cross is uh, this kind of amazing thing because there's so many dimensions to it. But I'm going to give you two ways in which we take up our cross today. I don't want you to hear take up your cross and follow me as this idea that to follow Jesus means you're going to end up persecuted on a cross uh, for your faith. Because probably that's not going to happen. But what it will mean is this. The cross is the place, one, where our sin is met with and dealt with. And two, it's the place where our will becomes subjected to God's will. So the cross is the place where our sin is dealt with. And it is also the place where we let God be God and we put ourselves under his will. And this is why it's going to kill us. Because you and I have sin. We have these things in our life that are not congruent with the way that Jesus wants us to live. And it would be so much easier if we just ignored them and didn't pay any attention to them and kind of put the blinders on and just like lived in some sort of nice, you know, Merry Christmas sort of way. But that's not the hard walk that Jesus has invited us into. Jesus has invited us into an entirely new way of being, a transformation. And Jesus himself said it was going to hurt. You remember John 15 when Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches? He said, all those that are bearing fruit, these are branches connected to that true vine, Jesus. He says, I'm going to prune them. Pruning does not feel comfortable to the tree that you're pruning. Jesus working in your life is not going to feel comfortable What he's calling you to do is take whatever behavior, whatever attitude 
is incongruous with this walk of Jesus. And go to him. Take it to him and take it to the cross. Verse 11, again, I got to go back to Romans here. Consider yourselves dead to sin. Consider. Consider the truth and the reality of God. When Jesus took your sin on the cross, he was killing it. He was slaying it. It no longer has to have power over you. But you have to apply this to your life. Jesus' power doesn't come into your life by doing nothing. You have to take the Christian clothes you have and put them on. This is why we talk about remembering your baptism daily, this death to sin daily, because this is the power of the cross. It's the place where your sin dies. Uh, Paul talks about it like this. Our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Because think about it. As hard as it is for the person who's anxious in their life and worried about how things are going, as hard as it is to say, God, I trust you. You are God over my life. And I know this is hard what I'm going through, but I know that you know all things and you know better than me. And so, God, do what you will with it. As hard as that is, do you know what's worse? Constantly running around and trying to manufacture every little thing in your life so it works out just so. And realizing in all of your attempts to do that, that you can't. Something always blows up. Something always is missing. Things are never quite at rest, never quite fully at peace because we're trying to manufacture it. We weren't built to run our worlds. We were built to be dependent on God. We were built to be his children. And so all this running around and trying to get things to go just right, it's killing you. It's running you ragged. It's making you exhausted emotionally, mentally. And if anger is your issue... And maybe if, if it's even anger and you, you justify it, like the world does, the world to justify it, they'll say, no, it's fine. That's, that's normal. It's normal for a parent to yell at their children to get them to do what they want because how else are you going to get kids to do what you want? And it's for their good that you're doing it. You see the problem? Even when that's your motive, if your motive is your children and really at, at the heart of your heart is you want your kids to grow up right and good and well, but you feel the need to apply that kind of pressure and force to them, do you know what you're going to do? One of two things. You are either going to beat your rules and the way they need to live so hard into them that they actually do follow it just submissively, but they never learn to think on their own. They never learn to be their own person, and so they really never become the, the persons that you're you're. you're became a parent for them to be, or you're going to drive them so far from you because all they ever tasted from you was wrath and anger. Paul says this, right? Not to, not to lead your children to anger. You have to be careful in your You have to be thoughtful. And the only way you can do that is if you let God into the picture. When you find yourself doing this with your children, you have to, you have to go after and you have to say to God, God, I'm trying. I'm trying to raise my kids in a good way. And it's frustrating because they don't listen to me. 
But I know, Father, I know the way that you raise your children, and that you don't beat us into submission, but that you deliver your grace as a gift, that you are so patient and kind to us, and that you don't retaliate, but you give us so much room to fail and to screw up. And you meet us with love and with wisdom. Help me to do that like you, Father. Help me to do that like you. I promise you, it's still going to kill you to do this. It's going to hurt. It is not easy to put the old self to death. But you have the power to do it. Because of Christ. Paul says, we put this body of sin to death so that we're no longer enslaved to it, so we're not running around because that's death. But, but see, when we kill the sin, when we put it in its place, when we make God number one and submit to his will, sin's got no power over us. It's already, it's already slain. It can't jerk us around anymore. He says, for one who has died has been set free from sin. And this is why Paul can talk so much about life, the newness of life. And that's the final point, is that these Christian clothes are a gift. This is a gift. It's not a curse. It's not even a mandate. I hope you hear that this morning. The biggest mistake we could make about our Christian life is to think that we have to do all of these things in order to earn the grace of God. It's the other way around, friends. God has given you the freedom to overcome and to leave this sinful death behind you because Jesus donned the clothes. Because Jesus donned the clothes of earthly flesh and bones. Because Jesus himself subjected himself to loneliness and pain and, and, and the ugliness of this world, the brokenness that led him not to anxiety, not to worry, but to concern, deep concern, compassion, the scriptures call it. Jesus donned these clothes that would take him to his funeral, that would take him to the cross, a place where he would die so that you and I would not have to face the wrath, the due, just uh, retribution of our actions. But so instead we could just receive the sweet gospel planted softly in us to change us. This is a gift that Jesus has given us. These clothes to wear. Our response is simply to put them on. So put them on this new year. Consider where your life is incongruent with Jesus and his path, his way. If you can't find a way that it is, <laughs> search the scriptures until you do. Don't leave your Christian clothes in the closet. Don't discard the gift. Don't only bring it out in a dire emergency. Wear them every day and you too will experience the newness of life. Now, this is our hope and wish uh, this new year. In Jesus' name, amen.